Welcome back to Indotechno. Thank you for joining us again. Salamat datang kembali semuanya. This marks episode number 25 of our series. My name is Alan Hallowell. I'm founder of startup consulting firm Gizmo Advisors and venture partner at Alpha JWC Ventures. Today, we will explore online travel, a segment of the Indonesian internet economy that seemingly overnight went from the very model of long-term secular growth to one almost completely crippled by this black swan event that we have all been dealing with, being the COVID-19 pandemic. We're extremely pleased to feature as today's guest, George Hendrata, CEO of Ticket.com, one of Indonesia's clear leaders in the online travel space. Welcome to the show, George. Thank you for having me here today, Alan. It's a pleasure to have you on. Now, George, I note that you've spent a significant part of your career with the Jarum Group, which a foreigner like myself knows to be one of the most highly respected business groups in Indonesia. Can you tell us a bit about what it's been like to work within the Jarum Group? I'm sure that many people who have been involved with the group would say the kind of thing that I would say. One is we are a very humble group, very entrepreneurial. We start from scratch and we believe in running things to operation excellence. We believe in a win-win in any deals that we do. Trust is also very important because when you have a bank like BCA in the portfolio, trust is key and earning that trust is difficult, but destroying trust is also easy. So we are very cognizant of that. We are very people-oriented and we try in many of the industries that we go into, we do well in the basis of knowledge, whether we do it on our own or through partners. And we are a group which believe in not only operation excellence, but customer intimacy. We try to understand the needs of our customer, driving down deep into knowing what is their pain points and trying to deliver product and services that can tackle that. We have many people who have been working with the group for a long time. Many we know by names, we know their background, where they go to school, where they go to work before. We take care of our people well and we value them. We cannot run the business without good people. It's been a talent war, especially in Indonesia. We are also quite flat in our decision-making, in our culture. We try to not have any politics, and we are pretty blessed. It's hard not to be blessed when you go into so many different industries and you make less mistakes than others. I think that being blessed is more important than being smart. Now, George, the media profiles often describe you personally as having an affinity for stewarding greenfield opportunities and turnaround and restructuring situations. Can you give us some past examples of that work? And maybe you can also tell us how, if at all, that background comes into play running Ticket. I came to this discovery by accident. I tend to get myself into difficult issues, difficult company situations or new things. I thrive in those circumstances more than when the company in a stable operation. My background is an electrical engineer. I used to design IC chips for mobile phones. And immediately a year after I went in, my colleagues, they got fired. I had to manage five different production lines all at the same time. I did well. From that time on, it seems like I am always in that position where I either start things up or I do a turnaround. Some of the stuff that I did with the group, I was involved with the consumer electronics brand called Polytron. And typically when you think about a consumer electronic brand, like an LG, Samsung, or Sony, you always think that this is a very, very difficult business to be in, hard to make money, big capital intensive. And yet we have proven that even though we are a local player, we are able to compete against them well, earning well, good net profit margin, and still year and year growing very profitably. 
And so the foundation of that is to know basically what you do well, which in this case is black goods. And also we focus on the white goods, washing machine, refrigerator, air conditioner, where it's a bit bulky and it's hard for an outside player to compete. And we utilize our good distribution as well as our after-sales service. As another example, I was involved with the paper edition and basically turned it from being negative to become positive and the third largest provider of specialty paper in the world. Knowing how to be nimble and knowing how to move like David against Goliath and be able to take on all the opportunity to find out where the loopholes are, find where the gap is, and try to combine everything together to win. It's really important. That makes good sense. Now, Ticket.com was founded in 2011. George, what have been the major pivots or periods of active diversification over this period? I I was part of the team who led the due diligence into Ticket, and I fell in love with the founders. They are hungry. They know what they're doing. It's just that they need to be given an opportunity. I had a long talk with the suppliers, the airlines, the hotel, and I saw the opportunity to do better. It's two front. One is you have to do well with the consumer, but you have to also do well with the suppliers. And we saw that the name was good. Relationship with the various stakeholders was good. It just need to be given an opportunity. So we quickly look at the low-hanging fruit. We look at the funnel, look at where there are a lot of drop-off. The awareness level at that point in time was really low. It was between 30 to 40%. And then taking care of these things within four months, relaunching the brand, relaunching the apps. At one point in time, we were a bit concerned. If we don't do any major change, that when we do big marketing, people might install and then uninstall our apps. So it's done in stages. We work with the product first and then the branding and then again, increase the awareness and then work with the suppliers to basically get the best product with good availability and good pricing. And then we start growing at three to four times the market rate. And then we also got lucky because our marketing message of presenting travel as being fun. Some element of travel is about efficiency. You don't want any mess. You want it to be really simple. But another part of travel is the fun. And we trying to inject that into our product, trying to communicate it to our consumer. And it strikes a chord in their heart. And so it becomes a virtual cycle. We take advantage of when people do not normally travel and then get good inventory from hotel and flight and make it into a big campaign. One of the, the famous one that we do is called Otewe, which is online ticket week. It is actually going to happen next week. We have really crazy pricing. It can be 75% off. It's also good because it helps our partners to basically unload all the inventory that might otherwise not be unloaded. So that's basically it. We have gone from a ticket 1.0 to a 2.0, and now I will call it a 3.0, where we try to put in all the foundation so that we can scale even better. This is critical because otherwise it's hard to scale much faster when you are 1,000 plus colleagues. Understood. Now, George, you probably noticed that the new Google Tomasic Bain Economy C2020 report forecasts that online travel in the region will decline 58% this year. Do we feel that that is the likely magnitude of decline? So based on the data that I have seen, it is pretty consistent. If you look at a lot of publicly listed major OTA out there, they project that this year it will be about 40% of 2019. And we are seeing similar trends. But we are very hopeful because on a week-by-week basis, since the last lockdown, it looks like it's starting to increase more and more. And consistent with what we have seen overseas, domestic hotel tends to come back faster. Travel, which doesn't require air flight, but just one to three hours by car, tends to recover faster. And then the short-haul domestic flight tends to recover a bit later. International is still off limits. 
Many countries still do not have a bubble or travel corridor from Indonesia, but yes, the number that you mentioned seems about right. Got you. Now, that same report envisages a 33% recovery in the industry next year. Are there any less apparent scenarios beside the obvious one, the introduction of a vaccine, that would support that level of growth? Yes. Again, the number that you mentioned, if I look at the major research out there, they were saying that 2021 should be about 70% of 2019. It's more like a swoosh-shaped recovery rather than a quick V-shape. And I think Indonesia, for one, most of the travel is domestic. So pre-COVID, about 85% of the flights are domestic. 15% is inbound outbound. So I think that since the domestic market is much bigger and you don't require people to quarantine when they travel within domestic areas and you are only required to take rapid testing, we tend to look at it as having faster recovery. And then again, supporting that, the hotels also being in similar proportions, mainly domestic, that helps as well. And I think we are seeing travel behavior, which is a bit different than pre-COVID. Places like Bogor, like Puncha, like Jogja, which has a lot of outdoor area where you can do glamping, you can do social distancing, those tend to recover faster. And then we have seen in many of those villas that have those kind of properties, they can be all booked until the end of the year, which is really, really good. Similar in other countries that we have seen, those travel spots may be there to stay even after COVID. So if you have only one to two days, instead of going to Bali, you might actually drive for one to three hours in Puncak, enjoy the 19 degrees weather and enjoy the outdoors. It's more complementary to some of the travel that happened before COVID. Fascinating. So 85% of travel and tourism in Indonesia is actually domestic. Is that what we can say? Yes. Wow. I did not know that. Now, I don't know how many thousands of times you fielded this question, and I know you mentioned some interesting behaviors just now. Can you tell us what travel behaviors have surprised you the most throughout 2020 due to the pandemic? The element of non-surprise is actually more. I mean, with COVID, people want to make sure that travel is safe, that it's clean. They want to find out as much information as possible about travel. They book plane tickets and hotel tickets much more closely to when they need to travel between one to three days. Whereas in the past, it can be in the order of weeks for hotel and for flight, maybe in the order of a week or so. And so those are the common ones. The uncommon ones are the ones that I mentioned prior, which is, again, a short distance from major cities, ones that you can reach by car, a lot of outdoors, glamping, places that you can social distance. People actually renting an entire villa or an entire house. Categories like Airbnb, before the pandemic, it might not really take off in Indonesia. Now you're starting to see these things taking off. And so those are the surprise and the non-surprise that I see during this pandemic. Understood. George, are there any other exciting initiatives, whether it's new features, functions, new services that are afoot for Ticket.com in 2021? We want to make sure that we are ahead of the curve. A few things that we have done is that in all platforms, in apps, in mobile, in desktop, we have the most complete information on where you can travel and what you need to bring to travel. We make it in a way which is easily digestible. And then we're working with the hotel partners and the airline partners to have a ticket clean certification program where we know they do social distancing, they frequently clean and disinfect the facility and that you have protective equipment or apparel available on those properties. But at the same time, we also know that a lot of people are hit by this COVID financially. And so we have pay later product that we just launched so that people are able to pay a bit later after their flight. 
We work with a lot of our partners for discount because we, we see that once people are comfortable with travel, pricing helps. There is one major hotel chain that throughout this pandemic, believe it or not, have seen their occupancy rate only drop by about 10% because they reduced their price by about 30%. So then when people are comfortable about traveling, you need a bit of nudge, a bit of impulse to fly or to stay in a hotel and price is one way that you can do it. And then we are launching our new look soon. Travel is always about two things. One is that it has to work well, the booking, the searching and the paying and then post-purchase and also the fun element to it. And so on both elements, we have a lot of things that we're going to launch, making it more inventory for us to, to be able to search for hotels. We covered around 3 million properties domestically and worldwide. And then we also have some discovery platform that we're going to launch, make it easier for people to find out what is interesting to do around the area, around the hotel that they're staying or around the place that they are flying into. Great. Sounds like an exciting list of innovations. George, where do we overlap most heavily with Traveloka and in what areas do we dominate respectively? Naturally, there are a lot of overlap, Alan, because it's an online travel platform. And if you look at the maturity of the sector, it's actually more mature than, for example, e-commerce, arguably. And it's definitely more mature than ride-sharing. Online travel penetration as part of total travel is typically above 50%. Whereas in e-commerce, in many of the countries like Indonesia, it's still below 10%. That in itself allows for a lot of overlap. But the biggest verticals are basically hotels and flights. And so with that, we are getting the best pricing in hotel and flights and equally competitive, if not more competitive than our competitor, because this is also the advantage of being a second player, because we always try harder and the partners will want us to succeed because they don't want to basically depend on one platform to sell. So in a way, it lends itself to better industry configuration and it's better from the consumer point as well. For Outbound Hotel, we dominate because we have more relationship with our B2B partners. For flights, we're equally competitive. Continuing on that line of questioning, if you were to isolate one area in which we feel we have the greatest competitive advantage, whether it is connectivity to a certain partner or functionality or user experience of some sort, what what would you regard as Ticket.com's greatest competitive advantage? So people who have been with the competition and with us, they mentioned that that is our people. So our culture is kind of mixed. We have both the engineering mindset as well as the creative mindset needed to win in the space. I mentioned several times in this program that travel is about efficiency, about making things effortless, but it's also about fun, about playfulness and our consumer values, our culture. A lot of our program goes viral because we understand that they want to visit places where nobody been before that they can brag about in Instagram. And so that's what we provide for them. We have an acronym, HAPPY. H stands for hungry. We have to be bold. We need to be able to take risks. Many times I mentioned to our colleague, if you want to win and you just take the safe route out, you will not win. You have to find out what the X factor is, what you need to do extra. It's okay. Take the risk. If you fail, try again. You, you won't be penalized for it, provided that when you take it, you consider it well. And then A is agile. P is people-oriented. Another P is performance-oriented. And then the Y is we want you to be you. When we bring you in into Ticket, we are not just hiring a set of hands and legs, but also with heart and mind. And that's what we want. The team complete each other. The second thing is that we are very, very consumer-centric. I don't know how many companies who actually put NPS as the top of their North Star metric, but we do. We want to make sure that we have that focus day in and day out. 
what is causing problem, what can we do to delight the consumer. And when we do this well enough, the business growth will take care by itself. And usage will beget usage. The other thing is also size. Size matters. It's an industry with high barrier to entry. You need big working capital to put up for deposits for airlines and hotels. And the financial strength of our holding allows us to focus on doing the right thing for the business with a longer term mindset. Makes sense. Now, George, did online travel see similar levels of subsidies and promotions as did e-commerce and ride hailing in 2019? And would you expect such behaviors to return once demand recovers? Especially with e-commerce, you have five or six players. Ride hailing, you have two, but they're very, very competitive. In OTA, you have two major ones. Out of the three industries, I would say that we are the more sane sector. So even though we do discounting, we do promotion, the level of discounting and promotion comes nowhere near the e-commerce and the ride-hailing players. And so initially, pre-COVID, we planned for 2020 to be a year where we can break even. So that says a lot about how the state of the industry is and the state of competition. It's just that now we get COVID, so it's going to be delayed a little bit, maybe a year or two. But the path of profitability is always clear. And if you have seen many of the OTA players abroad, which are publicly listed, are also profitable. We like the sector and we think that it has good unit economics and good profitability. So more on that business model, George, does the OTA industry run entirely on commissions? Is that also an area of intense competition? Typically, you compete on take rate. You get inventory from your partners, and then you make some commission out of it. There are some regulations that we have to abide. For example, in airlines, there is an upper limit and lower limit to the pricing. The sector is also very fragmented. If you look at hotels, there are thousands of hotels. And the occupancy pre-COVID is just around 50%. So then when you see an industry which has 50% occupancy rate, they're more than willing to give, let's say, a 10 to 15% commission when the marginal cost of cleaning a room is only $2, for example, but then you can get $50 in return. So yes, you have competition here and there, but the fragmented nature of the suppliers and the occupancy rate of many of these stakeholders lends itself to work with an OTA where you can provide a lot more traffic and a higher level of occupancy What do you feel is job number one for the company currently? Is it buttressing further parts of our current business model, such as payments or user experience? Is it expansion into new markets or is it something entirely different? It's always about taking care of our people. It's both people inside and outside. I can take an example from COVID. People are worried whether they're going to get laid off. We are an industry that get hit quite badly. We managed to avoid layoff. Of course, some of the outsourcing work get reduced a little bit, but we have no major layoff. Communicating that and really walking the talk that you take care of people during bad times and good times is really important. Second is also, today I'm still doing about three to four interviews a week. I always look for good talent. I'm looking this time to hire a bunch of product and tech people to cover any kind of product and tech app that we have at this point in time and has been quite successful. And then obviously consumer. During this time, people are a bit confused how to refund ticket, how to reschedule. And we had a lot of calls into our customer service. It's important to be able to communicate during this time. You have to convey how customer centric you are. Every complaint that people have, you have to treat it very seriously and convey it in your action and your talk to the people around you so that they can walk the talk as well. Another thing which is important is getting the temperature of the organization, especially during this work from home, because you never truly know how they feel. And so I'm very open to basically doing one-on-one with people at any time so that I always get the temperature of the organization. 
is still doing a bi-weekly meeting with newcomers. It's harder to meet face-to-face, but anybody who joined us, let's say in the past two weeks, we will have a, a session with all the board members, with all the co-founders, and we want to be able to convey the spirit of Ticket. Well, George, given all the good work that you've outlined today, I have a very good feeling about 2021. Thanks a lot for joining us today, George. Thank you so much, Alan. And thank you, dear listener, for joining us today. Terima kasih telah mendengarkan sampai jumpa lagi.